the podcast at Dawn's Head, because what the world needs most right now is a podcast about the Babysitter's Club. I'm Esther. I'm Karen. And I'm Eva. And today, for Christmas, we are celebrating by studying, studying. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why I said studying. We are celebrating by reading The Babysitter's Club Super Mystery Number 4, Babysitter's Christmas Chiller, mm-hmm. um, which I assume none of us read back in the day. No, no. this is like the like the 90. end of times for the Babysitter's Club. 1997. I was like 14 and not purchasing new Babysitter's Club books, so I may have occasionally been guilty, guiltily rereading the ones I already owned. I think I was at a similar place, actually. Yeah, no, I definitely did not read this. And I'm realising that, um, so, because chronologically the last book I read was the <laughs> terrible um, uh, haunted house mystery that we did for Halloween. Uh, I've yes. never encountered Abby in the wild. Me neither. <laughs> Um, so this is my first introduction to Abby. I didn't hear of Abby till I was in my 30s and reading about the Babysitter's Club on the internet, not for this podcast, just mm. for fanfic. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I came, I think I came across her somewhere, but I'm pretty sure I didn't read a whole book with Abby in it. So yes, we have, we have a, a new babysitter. Which yes, is, uh, we have an Abby. Uh, we have a token so Jewish cool. friend. I was about to say. Yeah, I'm interested to get your thoughts on that. I mean, I love, I love the how subtly and 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 not look, look at this strange cultural phenomenon the way that they, they tell bagels. all about the Hanukkah party. And yes, they, I was like, well, okay, okay. I mean, I like a bagel, but I it mean, was very. Here's some bagels, you guys, because I'm different. My ethnic food. They could have uh, yeah. just had toast. It would have been fine. Yeah, we also eat cereal like quite often. Tonight, a shocking revelation. <laughs> so the thing that I was thinking about that actually, though, so this this author seems to be trying a different thing from. So we we haven't reached um, sort of in the series that we're doing properly step by step. We've not yet reached Jesse, um, no. and there are going to be a whole lot of books where Jesse, in the introductory chapter, announces, "I'm black." <laughs> Like that, that is about to happen. Um, yeah, so that true. was Anna Martin's take where the non-white characters, um, feel obliged to divulge to the listener that they're non-white. Like repeatedly, <laughs> re- repeatedly. And I, I, it's kind of like, Oh, I mean, if you're going to do it that way, you should probably also do the Rivers of London thing where you tell, you describe everybody who's white Every, as white. Because <laughs> I was going to say everybody's ethnicity gets stated, especially the white people. But the. <laughs> Uh, this one, I feel like the author was going, oh, I just, I don't want to have Jessie announce that, you know, that she's black in this one. What I'm going to do is put in signifiers that tell you. And I think she describes Jessie as having kind of like, she describes the color of her skin. Yeah, she says dark brown eyes, light brown skin and curly black hair. Yes. So instead of instead of kind of going, hey, hey, I'm black. Guess what? I'm black. Um, she literally says that in several books. I have two personality traits. They are the only black person in Stony Brook and ballet. Yep. Yeah. She also is into horses. No, it, she specifically points out it. I think when I stopped reading, she wasn't yet. <laughs> yeah, no, that's yeah. right. That's a new thing. Um, <laughs> Abby's a new thing, and there was a, something. There's else. a few other things. There one thing re- weird one that struck me, which was um, oh, we paid our dues and complained like always. It was like mm-hmm. I don't remember them complaining about paying their dues in any of the books I read. No, me neither. I think I vaguely recall it. I think I do, but and I can I can sort of believe that horses are a thing that you would take up in your like 
around that year 11 12 oh, yeah. i think yes. that's that's oh, yeah. very believable and also i can see starting to complain because everyone else is doing it not because you're particularly it sounds like it's a it's a fine honored tradition of the yeah it does. Can... it's just that it was a tradition <laughs> that hadn't yet begun when i when i stopped reading them when i was like 13 and i'm like oh what and this is like dibble okay it's new yeah. to me I dibble isn't in this world. book i suspect this ghostwriter was like, I'm just gonna not. <laughs> was like, I will die inside if I attempt it. No. But yeah, so I think she was, she was just like, oh, I'm also not gonna have Abby go, hey, I'm Jewish. Uh, so instead we get a Hanukkah party um, and, and bagels. So Abby, Abby doesn't go, hey, I'm Jewish. Instead they have like one of those, an entire chapter that's basically like, Look, look at this. Look at, look, look at Hanukkah. This is what it is. You've never heard of it. I know you haven't. So I'm going to educate you about it now. Here's how to play dreidel. Actually, I did love that Christy got so into playing dreidel that she had to go back to her house to get more yes. small change. Yeah. Yes. And I mean, to be fair, I think it's more like as an adult, I don't read, um, I don't read things that are like, we will educate you about the minority culture in that didactic kind of way. But it was so yeah. normal when I was a kid. This is just what books for kids were like when I was yeah. small. And it was actually sort of charmingly refreshing. It was like, oh wow, this was, it wasn't always that patronizing. I guess so. Ooh. It felt like well-meaning to oh, me. Yes. Like it was definitely an attempt to sort of, like, probably some of the kids who were reading this for the first time wouldn't have uh, come across, like, a Hanukkah tradition. By the way, um, happy Christmas, everybody. Happy war on Christmas. Happy holidays. <laughs> <laughs> it's so seasonal, isn't it? Don't you feel like it is definitely a season right now? Out it's, there. it's definitely a season. Yeah, we apologize if you can hear explosions in the background of this episode because we're actually recording on Halloween night and there are just nonstop fireworks going on outside. Also, so my neighbors festive. are doing renovations at like 10 o'clock at night. I don't know why that is, but um, yeah. if there's a lot of weird noises in this one, that's why. <laughs> fireworks are, by the way, illegal in the country we're in. They're so illegal. And so this common. country is a very short drive over an open border to a place where they are not illegal. Mm-hmm. So the drive you know. is also illegal right now, <laughs> unless you live within five kilometers of the border. <laughs> it was only, but it was a, uh, it was only a uh, mid October that came in. So I'm sure everybody responsibly sourced their illegal fireworks <laughs> prior to further COVID lockdowns being instituted. I'm assuming so. Sorry, my laptop just. Yeehoo itself. Okay. <laughs> Alright, it's worth a few of the top of your head at present. It's all good. Um, oh, I might actually, so we were going to, I don't know, we should probably put this in somewhere smoother later on in it, but uh, we were discussing earlier that there is a storyline in this book that covers sort of this trope that touch, that is basically a not very nuanced or sensitive portrayal of something that can be interpreted as mental illness. We're going to be discussing it in terms of the trope. None of us are qualified in any way to discuss actual mental illness in a Mm -hmm. well-informed or um, particularly nuanced kind of a way. We're talking about literary tropes here and aren't meaning to kind of cast any actual uh, opinions or beliefs on what mm-hmm. mental illness would be like or whether this accurately reflects real life mental illness. So just yeah. getting the awkward bit out there early. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Content note, mental illness, uh, slightly clunkily handled. Yeah. Yes. Content note, extremely tropey fictional mental illness. Yeah. Shitty, yeah, shitty fictional tropey mental illness crap. Yeah. <laughs> rather than actual mental illness. Yes. 
Yes. So, yeah, shall we go through this? This is, I just was just so happy with how much better constructed this was than the Haunted House book. Oh, yes. Because this has like coherent plot arcs. Um, Yes. Rather than just sort of meandering through all this bullshit. Rather than, like, that last one was basically someone took a whole bunch of gothic tropes, threw them in a bucket with some babysitting and, like, and misogyny, and, like, (laughs) then, like, dumped it onto a page and went, there's your book. Yep. This has, like, storylines. I was wondering what would happen next. I was into it. Yeah, I hadn't read it till this morning. Like, I hadn't got around to it. And I, I think I got about 30% of the way through and I was like, oh, it's going to be so tedious. And then I just read it in about two hours and I'm like, oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> yeah. Storylines. I was saying earlier, it's very 90s. There's just yes. a load of stuff in it that is clearly um, a Babysitter's Club book that is written in a time that has moved on, even if the babysitters are all the same age. So Marianne's dad, is. she's like, oh yeah, my dad has a cell phone. We can use that. Yes. Um, yeah. And then uh, there's one point where Claudia and Stacy are kind of freaked out about something, so they decide to watch this really old movie, Fame, uh, yes. which is totally contemporary. Oh my god! Can we talk about that? That is not age appropriate. Uh, oh yeah, it's it's <laughs> really I, I don't know. not age appropriate uh, for for twelve, thirteen year olds. It's really gritty. It's pretty gritty. I've but... seen Fame. I've seen like that. There was a the the TV show. There was a TV show. Yeah, was on the children's Mm. channel. TCC. I think the TV show was a different, a different ball game. The TV show was a bit more of an upbeat vibe um, because I had watched the TV show um, when it it used to be on in the daytimes in the summer holidays. So I watched a few episodes of it and then watched the movie and was like, ah. When I watched it in my kind of mid-teens, I was like, this is much worse of a movie than I was led to believe. (laughs) I thought this was meant to be good. Also, anecdotally, uh, the the guy who directed Fame then subsequently, very shortly afterwards, came to Ireland and directed The Commitments. Um, and the lead from The Commitments was the same age as the guy in Fame, as the guys in Fame. He was a teenager as well. And he was like, oh my God, these actors are so much easier to work with. <laughs> Apparently the Fame cast were terrible. Oh my God, that's such a good story. Yeah, I have no idea they were directed by the same person. I will say that also, Fame has wanking jokes in it, which it it just sort of slightly breaks my brain to think that Claudia and Stacy have heard such lewdness. Stop thinking of them as babysitters club characters and think of them as actual thirteen year olds. Yeah, but there's a big difference. (laughs) There is. To be fair, I think this might be down to Anne M. Martin hadn't seen it, (laughs) but knew it was about teenagers. Yes, and like had. Like musical numbers. Yeah, that actually that makes a lot more sense, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I say Adam Martin. We this ignorance could be on behalf of the ghostwriter either. Yes, it may be Nola Thacker's ignorance. Yeah, but- or both. <laughs> All right, we should probably talk about this book. Oh shit! Yeah, we should. <laughs> uh, yeah. Did so we get like as far as the plot? Three plot lines, basically. Yes. Mm-hmm. There's the Stony Brook. Mallory and Jesse plotline, mm-hmm. yeah, which is that they're doing a nativity play at the church, and Mallory finds a pregnant woman wandering around outside who's got tropy amnesia mm-hmm. and can't remember who she is or where she's from. So they like get her to the hospital, but then they and their mother kind of befriend her, and she comes to stay with them. And then they, Mallory and Jesse, decide to like try and find out who she is and where she belongs and what. Do detective work. Also, here's a shocker, but she goes into labor. I know. 
in a Christmas book. On Christmas. It's just the, the most unanticipatable twist. And, and they call her Mary Doe at one point. Yes. Because she's a wandering pregnant woman. Yes. <laughs> Truly. I, I actually, you know what? I don't know what it says about me, but when she went into labour, it surprised me. <laughs> like I, when I first she, she I, we first came across her, I was like, "Oh, she's going to go into labour." And then it was describing the Christmas and how it was going, and I was really caught up into what it was describing. And then, uh, you know, uh, Mallory's mom called her, and I'm like, "What could the emergency be?" Oh. That's that's cute, and actually says a lot for the uh, the writing style that you got that kind of yeah. when I finished. I have to say, I was like, oh yeah, this reminds me so much of a particular scene. Where does it? Oh yeah, it was the end of Misfits. That's not something that I should be reminded of by the Babysitters Club. <laughs> <laughs> that season of Misfits where um, Robert Sheehan's girlfriend goes into labor and immediately gives birth in the oh, actual yes. nativity scene, <laughs> like in the diorama. And then they think the um, placenta is a horrible mutant child. <laughs> and I was like, wow, I wish that labour had gone that fast for me. <laughs> anyway, I'm off topic again. Um, Mary Doe, uh, yes, she does go into labour um, and has her baby in totally unexpected manner. Yeah. The other plot line based in Stony Brook is in Christie's neighbourhood. Uh, someone is breaking into houses smashing mm-hmm. everything up and not really stealing a lot of stuff maybe a couple of things and they gotta figure and leaving notes saying naughty and occasionally nice and they gotta figure out what, mm. what's going up with this christmas themed quasi burglary mm-hmm. uh, malarkey um and that's basically nearly everybody is on that one so yeah. it's like christy mm-hmm. and abby and also all of the rest of them that's yeah. their case and Ma- jess and mallory get their own one everyone gets that one and then Stacy and Claudia are in New York mm-hmm. and they have their own mystery. Mm. Which it's a lot of mysteries for one book. Yeah. And you know, they are not in any way seamlessly woven together or thematically <laughs> no. linked. Like I will hasten to add. They, yes. they should just have been three books. But look, it's a super mm. special. But it's you know, got to have a lot of plot. And it's like fine. I'm not gonna pl- complain that this has three plots that somebody put some effort into when no. the last super mystery had one, one plot that had no effort put into it. <laughs> it was awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I enjoyed all three of them. I'm just, you know, like my, my enjoyment was not uncritical. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, there's a lot going on in this. So yes, in New York, uh, Claudia and Stacy are staying with Stacy's dad and visiting Stacy's boyfriend, Ethan, who is some kind of art kid. So he and Claudia can talk about art. And then he is being really weird and keeps staring at Stacy in a fixed, slightly creepy manner. Mm-hmm. And then he's also acting really jumpy and paranoid and they keep getting this feeling that they're being watched. And then somebody starts like splashing fake blood around the elevator in Stacy's building and stuff. And they have to figure out if Ethan is a serial killer or what's going on there, basically. Yeah, it's good times. Yes. It is. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. Like that one was probably the creepiest of the mysteries. Um, yeah. That one was the only one really deserving of the word chiller yes. in any way. I don't know. The burglaries were kind of like unsettling. I guess I'm just not as creeped out by property damage. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the burglaries were sort of, they had less of a good explanation for what was going on at the end of it. They were just like, ah, we caught the burglar. 
phew, everybody can go home and have cocoa. Um, <laughs> instead of like, so... Um, uh, the burglaries were the one where I figured out what was going on. I'm really bad at figuring out mystery plots um, <laughs> in advance because I just forget things. But it's okay if it's aimed at a preteen market. I can usually get there. I figured out the who, the what was happening with the burglars. Yeah, I think half the job in crime writing is you have to provide all of the clues to your readers so that they can work it out. But ideally, you want it to still be hard enough that they can't work it out and they're surprised. And yes. that's actually a really hard thing to do. And some authors consistently can do it. And some of them you kind of work it out a bit early and you feel like, oh, yeah, no, that's fine. Um, and some of them are like Inspector Morse who figures it out in the third chapter and then just is smug about it until the end <laughs> when he explains it to you. And I do not understand why the Morse books are supposed to be good crime. They're not. They're bad. Bad crime. Um, in this one, so it, it's quite good. And I think it is It is aimed at a, oh, yeah. a slightly younger audience, but there, there is a somewhat awkward conversation between three of the characters about um local gardening services <laughs> it doesn't really feel like the kind of conversation that three 13 year old girls would have and it is in fact described as banter <laughs> and i think even so notwithstanding that it was between christy abby and abby's sister anna who i think is supposed to be kind of like just doesn't get the club she has yeah. her own stuff going on and so it's a little bit awkward there that's fine, but they still had an awful lot of joking about oh, gardeners locally. I believe Watson hires a gardener. What's that about? <laughs> yeah, no, I remember reading that and being like, uh, okay, yeah, I see who's doing this, but also like, mm -hmm. I'm 37. <laughs> that is a 37 conversation. <laughs> that is not a 13 conversation. <laughs> At 13, you're like, I think my parents have a gardener. I don't know. <laughs> I go to the garden sometimes. Sometimes someone forces me to do garden-related chores, but I try to avoid it. That's, that's yep. it. I'm yeah. very sad being 35 and discovering that my garden doesn't just take care of itself and I actually need to either do the work or make someone else do it. Isn't it the worst? <laughs> I yeah, hate it. Just it grows everywhere. I was sort of surprised and pleased to find out that gardening was not actually, in again, my mid-30s, mm -hmm. uh, early 30s actually, was gardening was not like the sort of careful nurturing and coaxing to growth and flourishing of plant life so much as getting bladed implements and chopping the fuck out of it every so often. <laughs> mm -hmm. Because the trick is you only plant things that don't die. And if they do die, then that's okay. That's nature. That's natural selection. My garden is Darwinist. And then the things that do live, all you have to do is go out every couple of months with the shears and chop them all down a lot. <laughs> that is a very sensible approach. That's, that's, that's my attitude. It always will be. And at some stage in the next few years, I am going to move in very near my parents and my mother is going to see this approach in practice <laughs> and she is going to be really sad and then she'll take over i really hope so <laughs> look when we moved into that house my brother was three years old and at one stage my mother was talking about her plans for the garden at the dinner table as she frequently did and he turned to her side deeply and said oh mammy you and your catoni asters <laughs> <laughs> You know, my mum's very, very, very into gardening and like, I either hope she'll just leave me alone about it or accept that if she wants my garden to be the way she wants it, she has to do it herself because I'm not doing it. 
<laughs> oh, amazing. All right. So, yeah, the, we have – it starts out from Jessie's perspective. Can I just say – I cannot read her fucking handwriting. And there is that it's handwritten so bit at the start is so long. I it's have so no long. idea oh what it God. says. Maybe if it was in a book, I could puzzle it out. But I'm reading it on my phone and the screen's just not really big enough for that shit. And I forgot to put it on my iPad. And anyway, no, stop doing this. Just why? I don't like it. I really like her handwriting. I think it's very elegant and aesthetic and it is much better than I could ever do. But it is quite tough going to read. <laughs> You don't need to make all your words that long and like that wide. It's just you don't need these massive flourishes at the start and end. It makes it illegible. Mm-hmm. Stop it, Jesse. Just draw hearts over your eyes and fucking block writing like Stacy does. Read that. <laughs> Stacy's handwriting is so easy to read. And Mallory, like, yes. yes. And the bit I wrote down, like, the only offensive thing about this book um, is the... 20 pages of Mary Ann writing at the end. So I think I fought my way through Jesse without it being too long, but I was like, oh God, it's still going. Why would you have put in all this effort to, yeah. And like part of my job involves deciphering people's crappy 19th century handwriting. And Esther actually does that with me sometimes when I really can't work out what something says. Um, And yeah, both of us think this is, Far too much effort. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, I'm good at deciphering handwriting. I just don't want to do it for a babysitter's club. Like. <laughs> Not for recreational purposes. Yeah. Yes. Like, you could do it if you're getting paid. Mm-hmm. I just don't want to have to do it. Mm-hmm. Stop. Yeah. I'm trying to read this for fun. Um, I, something I really liked actually in the, the intro chapter was a very, textbook example of the heavy handed intro chapter with all the exposition oh, and yes. descriptions. Mm-hmm. But I like that, uh, they have, a separate notebook for their mysteries now. The babysitting notebook and the babysitter's mystery notebook. <laughs> Which Mallory is in charge of. And yeah. that feels to me like Mallory needs a job. Give Mallory a job. <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> She's the keeper of the mysteries. Is Mallory manufacturing all these mysteries so that she has stuff to write in the notebook? The greatest mystery of all solved. <laughs> She's the Jessica Fletcher of the group. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everywhere she goes minor hijinks happen that's a good description of this yes <laughs> i also love the detail that jesse describes when she's describing claudia and janine she says that janine is a genius but only the ordinary kind yes. uh, meaning she's good at school but claudia is an artistic genius and not everybody appreciates that who said that jesse uh, jesse jesse yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. I just thought that was real. I, I like that as well. I thought that was... Uh... Some good kindred spiriting going on there yeah. because yeah. Jessie is also an artist in a way that nobody else in the Babysitter's Club really yeah. is. Yes, so. she gets up to practice dance at 5.30am every day, mm-hmm. which I highlighted because I found it so terrifying. I have an objection. Her alarm goes off at like 5.28. What sort of inhuman monster doesn't set their alarm for at a time that ends with a zero or a five? I know. It's weird. I'm not okay with it. One of the books, one of the Jessie books was my favorite and we're eventually going to get to it, but she describes her morning routine in a lot of detail. And there's, for some reason, she has the extra two minutes built into that. Huh. Like it's very exactly worked out. <laughs> and it's, it's stuff like she, she goes downstairs and she knows her mom wakes up and checks that she's gone downstairs and then goes back to sleep and they've never talked about it. It's just a thing that they do. Oh, wow. It's like, that's the time it takes her to get dressed. So she goes down to practice in the basement. 
Um, yeah, there's, there was a good Jesse mystery that wasn't, that was just incorporated into the regular series, which was really just an enjoyable read. Oh, it was Jesse um, and the Dance School Phantom. Yes, I think that was. Uh, I read yeah. that one. That was actually the last one I ever read because. Oh, really? As we were talking about, I was 14 and I was too old to buy my own babysitter's club. Yeah. But I was staying over at a friend's house and she had a few of them. So I read that um, mm. while I was staying over there. Nice. <laughs> and yeah, that yeah. was a good one. Meanwhile, I get up every morning at 5.28 before my alarm clock goes off at 5.29. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think there's a reason for it. Oh, yeah. Speaking about unsettling Mm -hmm. character details, we all got very upset about this over the week in the WhatsApp chat, that Stacy is apparently thinking of becoming a tax attorney because she (laughs) thinks it would be kind of fun to fight with the IRS. (laughs) Yeah. I What? (laughs) What 13-year-old even knows what the IRS is? I mean, like, I knew what the revenue was when I was 13. I I mean, I knew they were to do with the government and to do with money, but I don't think I would have really known what fighting with the revenue was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I understood the concept of income tax. Um, and I guess if you're American and you like have to listen to your parents moaning about doing their taxes every year. Well, well yeah. there's also the added dimension that um, <laughs> in yes. our heads, Stacey's dad is like a terrible embezzler who just managed to not get caught in this reality. Yeah, so she's just picked up his sort of like, you know, get away with everything you can get away with mentality. Yeah. And obviously, he's not paying his taxes. So, yeah. I think Stacy caused the crash, basically. Yeah. These these girls are going to go to college. They're going to go their separate ways. And then they're going to meet up again in their mid-twenties and be all like, oh, my old friends. And then they'll realize that all of them have discovered politics. <laughs> and it's going to be a real awkward thing when Stacy and Dawn, I think, Ooh. meet again. And Stacy yes. is a lawyer working for the IRS or something worse. No, she's not. She won't be working for the IRS. That will be okay. Yeah. She'll be helping, helping billionaires away their taxes. taxes. I, d- I don't think Dawn would actually be okay with that either. But that- <laughs> no, not particularly. But you know, at least the tax dollars are what's needed to build schools and fix roads. Yeah, so that that's just going to be on that universal healthcare she's fighting for. <laughs> that's going to be a fun meetup in the bar or wherever it yeah. is that they yes. <laughs> spring break. <laughs> Yes. There's going to be some angry conversations, people locked in their bedrooms going, oh my God, this is so different to what I expected. <laughs> yes. I'm going back to brown early. <laughs> um, also, while we're getting uh, details on everyone, we learn the, that Abby, um, that her, Abby's various quirks are, she's Jewish. <laughs> so quirky. Uh, she has a twin sister. And... She has allergies and asthma and everything makes her sneeze, which I have flagged up and written like, I'm a Jewish girl with allergies and asthma. And even I think this is a boring bit of character detail. Like, <laughs> I was, yeah, just I was not say, that exciting. Like, is it her only actual personality trait? Because none of that's a personality that she like tells bad jokes. I think, yeah, I think her, her main personality is that she tells bad jokes, yeah. Oh, and doesn't take Christy's shit. Yeah. Yeah, that was something that I was sort of enjoying is this kind of Clash of the Titans thing going on. That they were like, we're going to have somebody move into the group who actually is going to, like, just, just call Christy, Christy on Christy. her bullshit. Yeah. Yes. 
I quite enjoyed that. The yeah. the bagels thing was like it didn't have to be bagels, okay? But it's <laughs> it's, it's really a bit where Christy has barged into Abby's house the morning after she's been burgled and is pumping her for information on the burglary. And Abby's like, "Yeah, okay, sure. Hey, we've got bagels. Do you want some locks? It's really great." And Christy is like, "Give me the details." <laughs> and I just I love that. I, I love that she was just thwarting her yes. <laughs> in such a nonchalant kind of way. I was like, okay, Abby, I'm kind of enjoying this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, no, I, I really like enjoyed movie. their interactions and their like mm-hmm. butting heads and stuff. I just don't think having a character with allergies is that interesting. No, I think that's, I wonder if that's Jesse being like these slightly godlike older girls. I just don't know how to like... <laughs> characterize them they have vulnerabilities too sometimes their immune systems suck (laughs) i mean i bet you it's not though i bet you when you actually read abby's intro book she has allergies is going to be part of her personality that's possibly well in about a hundred books we'll get to find out out we're not going to see abby again for ages no it's just like a really watered down version of stacy having diabetes it's like exactly i have an illness too but it's much less dramatic and just kind Mm. of mildly annoying Everybody has hay fever. Yeah. Even I do. I used to. I have it this year, which is not the best year to have acquired hay fever. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, yeah. aren't you lucky you've got me to be your hay fever spirit guide? <laughs> I can. Sorry, that's problematic. I am your hay fever babysitter. <laughs> You're my hay fever Svengali. <laughs> I keep Wait, com- I think that's anti Semitic. I'm your is hay it? fever. Oh, no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've never even read the book. Oh my god! <laughs> I spit wine, <laughs> and it didn't even get to my keyboard. I caught it in my hands. It's gross. <laughs> Esther, you are my hay fever mentor. Can I say okay. that? Okay, okay. We'll yeah. No, I keep like messaging Esther and going, "Are you wheezy today?" And she's like, "Yes, you don't have COVID. I'm also wheezy." The answer is always yes. <laughs> It's so reassuring. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, no, it actually is really good to have someone to reassure you you don't have COVID. Yeah. Because, <laughs> yes. like, I live right nearby, so we have exactly the same, like, the same plants washing in our yeah. right there. <laughs> I like it. I like it. She says, <laughs> wiping wine off the underside of her chin. <laughs> Look, at least it's white wine, so, like, we can't actually see anything on camera. Yeah, that's dignified. You know, no one would have noticed if it hadn't been for the immediate splutter and coughing and the fact that I announced what had happened. And you're flailing and your face went pretty red as well. Okay, fair. I I was coughing. (laughs) Sorry for being (laughs) anti-Semitic. Karen, I'm going to bring this up again. (laughs) When you least expect it. Just as someone who's on Tumblr, I would just like to point out, Esther is Jewish. (laughs) Okay. Don't at me. I think I've casually alluded to that about 15 times already. Really, oh, though? Probably, but I'm on Tumblr. I know how this goes. It's not good enough to casually allude to it. You have to, in the in chapter three, you have to stand up and go, I'm Jewish. Esther's Jewish and she has allergies. Sometimes you put that in a paragraph all by itself. Just, I am a Jew. And then you move on. <laughs> oh, I'm not a Jew, by the way. Esther is, but not me. <laughs> <laughs> There's that anti-Semitism again. You're worse than Jeremy Corbyn. <laughs> I just gotta, don't want to be cultural appropriation. <laughs> okay. So, this book. <laughs> now that we're thoroughly cancelled. There are three. 
<laughs> there are three plot lines, but none of them actually take that long to describe. It's not no, like there's don't. a whole bunch of sequence of things that we have to, um, you know, go through all the details of. I want to talk about something that I really like, mm-hmm. which is, you know, the way we talked about how the genre mashup in the Haunted House book was a horrible disaster. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, it's much, much less heavy handed in this, but yes. mm-hmm. particularly with Christy, she's got like a kind of a low key noir vibe going on. And I loved it. <laughs> yes. Christy is like her inner monologue. She is trying to talk like a hard boiled detective. <laughs> at one point she goes to, is it the Cormans or something? And mm-hmm. like, uh, nine-year-old Bill hadn't seen anything and neither had seven-year-old Melody. If Skylar had, she wasn't talking. But then she's only a year and a half old. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and like, you can just picture Christy, like, you know, going off down the street with her, like, trench coat pulled up, for, like, tucked over her sweater and like, sad jazz trumpet playing in the background. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. This is clearly what's going on in Christy's head, if not, 100%. like, nobody else can see it. this. No one else can hear the noir soundtrack, but, like, Christy I love knows it. it's there. Yeah. I did feel like, so every crime novel that doesn't have a member of the actual police as the like the detective has to in some way accommodate for the fact that the detective is not a detective and why are the police allowing this? Um, And like, sometimes they're like, oh, Sherlock is just so good. The police can't do without him. They just admire him so much. And sometimes it's like this meddling old biddy (laughs) going, there is no good reason in these books, I have to say, why the two named police officers are extremely like, Maybe the Stony Book police force is very under-resourced and they're just like, we've got to take all the help we can get. These 13-year-olds <laughs> seem pretty on the ball. Let's just take their tips. Um, because the babysitters are doing detecting things that the police should have already tried. Yes. Yeah, it's the way that they, Mallory and Jesse, tracked down based on the label and the coat of where, yes. where it was sold and stuff and ring it and... She's got a really distinctive ring and they're like, oh, let's try jewelers in that same small town. And they call them all. And I'm like, why the fuck have the police not done that? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. up to yeah. then, everything they've been like, hey, officer, listen, we're wondering, have you checked this? And they were like, well, mm. yes, yeah, we, yeah, we, we tried, have. we we're tried the that. Police. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when, when they, yeah, but like then they, they just haven't done this. Yeah. Because it's like this, the, the burglaries plotline, like, I think we're all sort of reasonably accustomed to the notion that maybe a burglary isn't the highest priority unless something really yeah. valuable has gone astray. Yeah. It's kind of just a a thing that happens to you sooner or later. But with the missing person plotline, they have a found person who they don't know who she is yeah. and they're going to actually have to do something with her sooner or later. I would have thought they would probably want to get her back to her family. She's been on the national news. Um, yeah. So apparently... People are quite interested in working out who she is. I'm really surprised nobody watching the national news worked it out, even though they had a convoluted explanation for why her family didn't notice that she was missing. But yeah. however. Yeah. Maybe she's got one of those really generic faces. <laughs> yeah. She must do. They don't bother, like, describing her. Like, ha, that's weird. That looks like so-and-so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's the, the police just seem to be like, oh, that's cool. We got a tip, um, you know, rung in by these 13-year-olds. That's nice. Not even 13. They're 11 year olds. Oh yeah, that's like, true. These are small children. Ma- Mallory's, um, uh, Mallory's detective work is nice though. And it's nicely described. I love a good detective 
sequence yeah. where they explain how all the things work. And because it's mid nineties, it's all nineties tech. So she yes. she rings information in the small town, yes. which is clever. Um, to find out what the name of the shop is that sold the sweater. And then she talks to the people in the shop about where the ring might have been yeah. sold. And they find a, the specific jeweler and they're able to track it down. And she faxes over <laughs> pictures and of has things to fax to them people. a drawing of the ring. She can't even like snap a photo and print it off and yeah. fax that. To, they oh. have to actually like draw a literal drawing <laughs> and then yeah. fax that. It's like, oh, I wouldn't know how to fax a picture. Yeah. I had to use a fax machine in a job I had in like 2012, 2013. So for the only time in my life I've ever used a fax machine. I hated it. Like, oh yeah. It's it, like, it was also, you'd be like, you know, when you send an email, you're like, well, that's going to be received soon. <laughs> when you send a fax, it's just <laughs> like, who knows? The next person who wants to use the machine is going to take that out and put it in the bin. <laughs> Did you know that there are absolutely, yeah, I know, but there are absolutely loads of like junk faxes. Yes. Yeah. You just would get shit tons of fax spam. Like it's, it's so like, how wh- how do you get away with doing that? Because you're using up somebody's ink and paper on the <laughs> other end. Yeah, I used to work. I worked as a very very it was a very boring receptionist job in this office for a while when I like graduated. And one day I was like, I'm going to cancel every last one of these junk faxes that we keep getting. And then I was like to my boss, I've saved you several cents a day <laughs> by doing this. <laughs> My grandparents got faxed a version of the Nigerian Prince scam. Oh my God. <laughs> and they, they were like, we got the weirdest fax the other day. And we explained to them that like, this is an email scam that someone is bizarrely like retrofied. Um, I don't think they really believed us that this was a known thing. We were like, oh yeah, yeah, everyone's heard of this situation. Oh but like, yeah, someone is trying to fax the elderly. <laughs> I yeah. mean, like, I can see why you might want to try that, because if they're using a fax machine, they mm. quite possibly haven't heard of the Nigerian yeah. scam before. So yeah, it works, Nigerian print scam. They are trying to target people who haven't heard of it. Like, yeah. that's yeah. the whole point of it, and who, who won't recognise it instantly. Yeah. Like, that's why it's they're so badly spelled and everything. But yeah, also my granddad was pretty sharp, and he was like, I don't think this guy does want to send me $20 million. <laughs> <laughs> Good for your granddad. That's it. Yeah. Well done. Well done, granddad. They also oh. once at three in the morning got faxed a really heartfelt breakup letter in French from a wrong number. <laughs> <laughs> it went on for pages and was like, yeah, it was this woman like rehashing her breakup with her boyfriend and being like, here's all the things I feel you did wrong and here's all the things I feel I did wrong and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> they read the whole thing and they translated and read the whole thing. Yeah. At 3 a.m. <laughs> Damn right. Wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Imagine faxing someone a breakup letter. <laughs> That's just so specific. I mean, like faxing them, like you either like go old school and post them a letter. Yeah. <laughs> or you email them. Yeah. I mean, it was about 1997, so. Even, even so, a fax machine so is still very office Still <laughs> weird. Also imagine like your horror as you realized you'd accidentally dialed in the wrong number, but it was too late and the fax was already sending it and you're like, oh 18 shit. more pages. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so Mallory and Jesse's thing is very like, there's, there's some good research montages. Mallory yep. clearly knows what she's doing. Yes, they have like various scenes of like, cheerful banter with various very very tolerant police officers who are like oh it's these children again 
It's the mystery solving kids. Hey, these children were doing the job better than the cops were. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mallory carries her dad's briefcase, which is yes. adorable. Very <laughs> Instead of a bag. Um, yes, she's, she's definitely a writer. She definitely has a typewriter somewhere in her home. So yeah, I was actually thinking Mallory gets sort of a lot more, um, details, especially in the chapter. Now I know, okay, so Jesse's writing the introductory chapter yeah. and Mallory's her best friend, but, um, I have a feeling that maybe this writer does a lot of Mallory books. Maybe. Um, maybe. Which I'm sort of here for because, like, I quite enjoy Mallory as a character. Yeah. She's always got, like, <laughs> entertaining obsessions going on. Um, yeah, fair. so. Yeah, that's my theory. I haven't read much by Nola, um, Nola Thacker. Nola so. Thacker. Yeah, Mallory is is now a theatre girl, which obviously was a big point in the TV series, and I absolutely didn't remember it from the books. But she's like directing the nativity play. I think it's that she wrote it, so it's kind <laughs> of an offshoot of her being a writer. Also, the babysitting advice has been replaced in this with nativity play advice. There's also Neighborhood Watch advice, though. Yes, there's also Neighborhood Watch yes. advice. Starting a Neighborhood Watch uh, is just the most Christy thing ever. Isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's so perfect. I was kind of surprised she hadn't already done so on some level. How do I establish more control over the neighborhood? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, surveillance. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Nativity Parade. Oh my God, the... the the way they describe the nativity parade, though, the, I I could not believe that. Ab, sorry, the play play parade. Parade on the brain because <laughs> oh, of the Halloween episode. The Halloween yeah. episode. Yeah. The fact that you know, Abby says with a straight face, "Oh, I don't know how this one ends." Um, <laughs> Mallory responds with a straight face, "Oh, it's okay. I wrote it, so I can tell you." <laughs> it's a fucking nativity play. They walk yeah. and then they show up at a house. <laughs> Not a house. I understand it's not a house. Um, it's a stable. They show up at a stable the and they all hang around. There cannot be... There, I've been in these as well. I was a sheep once. I was a shepherd um, and my mom made my costume out of half a sheet and it was perfect. And then oh. I lost it and she really angrily had to use the other half of the sheet. <laughs> <laughs> I still feel kind of bad about that. She was just there sewing like, oh, I can't believe you did this in the last minute. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but it is the simplest play in the world, Mallory. You really can't take that much credit for it. I'm sorry. Yeah, like it's not like she had to do a lot of plot writing or anything. <laughs> I also love that at one point she's getting stressed out over rehearsals and says, was this how all playwrights felt? Maybe I'd switch to something easier, such as movies. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Mallory, you I think know Mallory, nothing. No. I think she's being sarcastic, actually. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think the author is being sarcastic. Yeah, exactly. I yeah. think Mallory is genuinely being touchingly naive. <laughs> yes, I think so. I also love Mallory, like, reflecting that uh, the, the play will probably go well because the dress rehearsal went so badly. And actually, it doesn't matter because we had what's known in the movie business as built-in box office. <laughs> in other words, <laughs> everyone's parents have to come to this. <laughs> yes, it's a nativity play. They always have built-in box office. Yeah. But she really seems to feel like she's had a unique moment of insight in figuring this out. <laughs> they have to come to it and they have to like it. It's fine. Oh, she's very new. Yes. <laughs> she's only little. I know. She's, little. she's quite sweet. Yeah, it's adorable. And just so much less annoying than that other book we did. Yes. <laughs> just yes. can't get over how, like, everyone's likable in this. 
Like, yeah, everyone is, is a pleasant, amiable version of themselves. Yeah, Christy's kind of bossy, but, you know, not in an absolutely unbearable, why hasn't anyone punched her in the face kind of a way. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's a crime-fighting teen detective now. She complains at one point that the criminal only leaves useless clues. It's like, <laughs> how, how gauche, how inconsiderate of them. It's so perfectly Christy. Like, yes, yeah, it's, it's delightful. Burglars should leave me better clues. Don't they know how inefficient this is making me be? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. Okay. So yeah, the, the previous book, it was like, we were able to identify the point at which the ghostwriter had stopped reading the original books. Yeah. Um, Because there were yes. very many things from book nine that were not included and very many things from book eight that were included. And the stuff from book nine was just so relevant. I should yes. there. Um, so this one... It feels like she's been following it properly. And maybe that her own, the ghostwriter's own area of interest is more the Mallory and Jesse stuff. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Or that she's been reading the later books more so. But it's not like she kind of gave up and just wrote her own shtick. Yeah. <laughs> like, because she couldn't be bothered anymore. Um, so that's quite refreshing. Yeah, yes. like there's a lot of references to stuff that happened in other books. Yeah, loads. Like re- really random little small things, like that they all wear old clothes when they go to the Radowskis, uh, which yeah. we just yeah. saw Claudia resolving to do in Claudia and the New Girl. She was like, I'm always going to wear jeans when I go to their house because I might have to climb in a window and rescue Jackie. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and apparently um, Mallory uh, got detention for refusing to play volleyball at some point. Oh, yes. That sounds like it happened in a book and I can't wait to read it. Yes, yeah, I, like I assume that's Mallory Hates Boys and Jim. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, that's fair. I've seen the title, I haven't read it. I yeah, I'm guessing from the title. But yeah, the, this one, yeah, it seems to be a lot better researched. They, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I mean, it's entirely possible if the ghostwriter was a young person, kind of just freelancing this sort of thing, that they actually read the books when they first came out. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah, if it's possible. They they wouldn't have to be quite young because it's really only ten years after they came out. Yeah, but it's not impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and yeah, I definitely got the impression that, uh, the other, the, the Halloween mystery we did, the person had, um, sort of, yeah, read a few of them because they'd got this mm-hmm. ghostwriting gig and, uh, phoned it in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas this person cares about the babysitter's club. <laughs> yes. Or, yeah, or read a few of them and was like, and thought it was going to be easy and very swiftly lost control of their material. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're like, oh, where did that tape recorder go? <laughs> oh, never mind. It's fine. <laughs> uh, should we talk about the New York plot then? Yes. So things that struck me about this, the scene when Stacy and Claudia arrive in New York in like Grand Central Station and they're pushing their way through a crowd of people mm-hmm. made me very tense. I was like, no, you should not be in a crowd. Crowds are bad now. Yes. <laughs> All kinds of media give me that now. And yeah. my own Facebook memories. <laughs> yeah. Also, the descriptions of them going to restaurants made me very jealous. Yeah, me um, too. I did look up the restaurant that they go to. The Two Boots restaurant. Yes, Two Boots, I which still too. exists. It is a small <laughs> chain and it looks so fucking 90s. Yes. I definitely went to places like that in the nineties. Yeah, I was a bit, I was a bit jealous as well about all the the restaurants and things that yes. they were going to. And the yeah. scene where they went to the coffee shop and like were just clearly there to hang out and people watch. Yeah, um, and it was a fancy coffee shop of some kind with like cool people in it, and that was part of the appeal. And I was like, oh my god, that all just sounds 
like decadence beyond. I know. The- <laughs> like it also st- sounds very New York. I don't know that there oh, yeah. is a coffee shop of sufficient fanciness that you could go to in Dublin <laughs> for that. You could manage something. Yeah. There might be a couple of bars, but yeah. not a coffee shop, I don't no, think. No, to be fair, though, and even if it was of sufficient fanciness, it wouldn't mm. be interesting. It would just be a load of, like, mm-hmm. D4s. Yeah. But, like, yeah, they just go out for fun. They don't have to, like, make a case for their journey being essential or anything. It's so nice. <sighs> also, uh, Claudia being really keen to see the Georgia O'Keeffe paintings um, <laughs> it was like, again, slightly edgy. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it's, it's a vague, distant acknowledgement to the fact that people have genitals. <laughs> but quite distant. I mean, it's entirely possible that the writer of this book just kind of went, that's an artist people have heard of. True. Possible. But Georgia keeps pretty famous. What nice flowers. I, I feel like it is uh, very conversant with modern Netflix, Claudia, sculpting menstruation. Mm. Yes. <laughs> and making Christy and Marianne really uncomfortable. I'm yes. Like, <laughs> yeah, this all feels on brand. Yeah. The <laughs> totally. one thing that I didn't feel was particularly on brand was how, um, how, uh, like, studied art in college jargony she got like oh my god i highlighted this no claudia <laughs> no you don't just, just just don't try and tell me that's claudia yeah well she's she's maybe just had longer to get become more of an art kid but yeah, okay. uh yeah stacy and claudia and ethan go to this art exhibition and they're talking about how this artist seizes control of space with colour. She's not limited to the language of texture, Ethan said. Definitely not, agreed Claudia. She's subdued texture to the juxtaposition of elemental colours. And Stacy is like, what the fuck are they talking about? <laughs> no, to be fair, I actually just highlighted that and said, no, she did not say that. <laughs> that sounds like the kind of thing that she was complaining Ashley was saying. Yes, yeah. it's very Ashley. Yeah. Um, she says something about a cactus later on that's also very Ashley. <laughs> I never realised how ornate, yet how simple and compelling a cactus could be. That is extremely Ashley vibes. That's very like, That Ashley. is Ashley, like, wanking mm. on about the fire hydrant. Fire hydrant. Mm. I could believe that Claudia could say that, though. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if, you know, you know, I could say that, yeah, maybe she has been hanging out and talking art with Ashley for a while by now. You know, they did stay friends to talk about art, but not about other things. But it's literally just the the, the SAT vocabulary words in the previous mm. one. Like, Claudia does not know the word ju- ju- uh, juxtaposition. She just yeah. doesn't. Yeah. She may or may not know the word subdued. I would believe if Claudia had had a couple of years yeah. between the Ashley book. I could believe that 16-year-old Claudia would use words like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. 100%. Like, but she's not really supposed to have grown that much in the meantime, no. is the thing. Yeah. I'm literally just thinking, from a from a vocabulary perspective, mm. Claudia is is not saying this at 13. She, probably before she's left high school, because it is mm-hmm. vocab from her area. But... Like, Janine confuses her by talking about her art using these kind of words. Like, yeah, yeah, that's a point, actually. This is the kind of thing that when Janine says this kind of thing, Claudia is like, why are you such a freak, Janine? If she was, if if you had got Claudia's inner monologue and be like, I don't know what I'm talking about, but I want to impress Ethan. So I came up with a <laughs> bunch of stuff. I, that sounds like what, um, what Janine says. And it sounded okay. He seemed to buy it. <laughs> so the, the New York plot did actually contain, like, a really creepy bit. Mm. 
Mm. So Stacey and Claudia have been like feeling like they've been followed around New York for the last couple of days and stuff. And then they find a bunch of like red paint splattered all over the lift in the building yeah. and mm-hmm. in the corridor outside and a note that says your time is up. And then they get a package with a big creepy Jack in the box that has got a photo of Stacy pasted over its face, which is honestly yeah. really fucking creepy. Mm-hmm. I would be so terrified. I, to be honest, I found the whole New York plot line actually quite, quite creepy yeah. um, and mm-hmm. unsettling in a way that the two Stony Brook ones just were not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even slightly. Mm-hmm. Uh, even when they tried to, you know, big up, ooh, everyone was very scared about the burglar. And it was like, yeah, no, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be fine. But this, this, this one, I, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't work it out. And it was I, personal. Yeah. And I was like, I was sitting there going, this is weirdly dark for a babysitter's club book. Yeah. Kind of it was menacing. Out. It is dark yeah. the whole way through. And like the resolution of it is also quite dark. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's the closest thing to an actual murder plot that they have in the Babysitter's Club. It is much darker than anything else I had read in the series to date. Yeah. Um, so it is a, it's a full blown stalking, it turns out. Um, and the, it's quite, it is kind of nifty to do it in a way, um, to set it up in a way that Stacey and Claudia are really freaked out about them being targeted. Yeah. And they think it might be Ethan, that he's like, mm-hmm. he might be gaslighting them. Because of the way that Ethan is behaving. Whereas it turns out that Ethan is just really jumpy because he is in fact the target and he's worried that it's going to splash back onto them, which it does in a big and way. And some of Ethan's uh, odd secretive behaviour is actually because he's been doing an art project, of, like a sculpture of Stacey or something like that. Yes, which is a poorly timed sculpture. <laughs> yeah, which <laughs> like, is why he was staring at her kind of yeah. appraisingly and why he wouldn't let them into her. Be- you know, so some of his sketchy behaviour is just, no, it was legit. He mm-hmm. was just, you know, that. Uh, but it, it all added up, but... Yeah, like this was, and I, I remember assuming that at the start and then being like, oh no, he's a baddie. Maybe he is a baddie. Like this, this plotline got me. Yeah, mm-hmm. because we've seen so many sketchy dudes in these books at this point. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, he's yeah, just right. another in a long line of sketchy dudes. That's fair. Okay, maybe Ethan has been established as a um, a love interest for Stacey in a previous book. I think he has. I think because it looks like there was drama about Stacey being a terrible, Mm-mm-mm. about Stacey having neglected her friends for Ethan. no. So, okay, it's so confusing. In that particular, the the previous book, the Halloween creepy book mm-hmm. that we did, she was out of the club and her name was Anathema and nobody yeah, yes. was even to say it. No one was speaking to her. I think her boyfriend then was Robert. Uh, she was off with her boyfriend, Robert, or so they assumed. Oh, okay. Um, in this one, she is living in New York again? No, no, she's just visiting her dad. Okay, she's just visiting. Okay, fair enough. Grand. Dawn is back in Stony Brook. Yeah. But it's only oh. for Christmas because she's living yeah. in California. She's in California. Um, so they, they really come and go and it's quite confusing as to what's going on. But I suppose that's probably because we keep, um, we skipped, skipping like, them. Yeah. About a hundred books. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> like the super specials are, are different. They're separate, but actually they kind of exist in the same timeline. Yeah. Sorry guys. We've spoiled a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> probably. Eh. Eh. <laughs> that was Look, written in like read them already. It's on you. <laughs> True. So yeah, somebody then steals all the light bulbs from the corridor outside Stacy's yeah. apartment, which is again, that's quite menacing. And an impressive really commitment is. to 
freaking people out. Yeah. (laughs) I was freaked out. Mm -hmm. And then they get stuck in... Now, first they get, first they get in the lift and the buttons aren't working. And Claudia figures out that somebody is stuck chewing gum in behind the buttons so they won't press properly. Mm-hmm. Um, so she pulls it out and then announces, chewing gum in texture is not unlike some of the media with which I work in art. <laughs> so <laughs> so she's like, really yeah. channeling Janine here. I'm like, yeah, also what, what, like all I can think of is FEMO and it doesn't actually feel like chewing gum. No, not really. <laughs> like, no. So- some of the some of the stickier stuff, maybe I don't know. It's not, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, I I I kind of like it when she sounds a bit like Janine sometimes. I know so it's like the the differences between them are really nurture rather than nature. Yeah, when you are. get down to it, they're both yes, they girls. Are. <laughs> yes, I love it. So then, oh yeah, Stacy nearly gets thrown under a train. Yes, I forgot that. Yeah, yeah. she's like legitimate danger, actual peril. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're on a crowded platform, and somebody shoves Stacy, and Claudia basically pulls her back in. Mm-hmm. And obviously, they get a massive fright. Um, so that's yeah, again, genuinely creepy. And then they try to go back up to the apartment and the lift stops working and they get stuck. I I actually have questions about how that was orchestrated. Yes. That that is yeah. it is unclear as to how the perpetrator managed to do that. And that actually is a that is another phobia of mine. It's like lifts. Yeah. And I lived in a I lived in a city where everybody lived in a high rise building. I was lucky I only had to walk up like four flights of stairs to get to my own home. Um but visiting other people was sometimes my parents were like, "Oh God, no! You're not going to make me do the stairs, are you? Really? Oh um, no, really? Yeah, they live on the twentieth floor." Um, but <laughs> I did like sometimes you got to see interesting stuff. One of my friends lived in a flat which was on like the eleventh floor, and um, they had back doors that opened out onto the stairwell, which is a really good idea. Um, and as I was going up the stairwell, I encountered a lady who I said hello to, who was cleaning her back doorstep and her pet duck was just wandering around <laughs> as well. Um, and I told my friend, I was like, did you know your neighbor has a, like three, three flights down, has a pet duck? And she's like, no, let's go see it. So we went down very unobtrusively and I was like, yes, you're here to see the duck. I see. <laughs> I see how it goes. <laughs> okay. That's adorable. That's uh, adorable. But yeah, sometimes I would make people walk up 20 flights of stairs. <laughs> I, I just feel that we've done, we've had a book with, a room full of bees. <laughs> We've had a book with terrifying mannequins. Mm-hmm. It's finally time for somebody else's phobias to turn up in these books. So, Hey, I was really freaked out by Dawn getting stuck in the dumbwaiter in the previous one. That's true. Um, I was not cool with that. We've established, though, that um, Aoife doesn't really have many phobias. No, they were shamed out of me as a child. Nobody was allowed to have an irrational fear in our house. Does that work? <laughs> yeah. Huh. I don't have any irrational fear. I mean, I've got plenty of rational fears, but like, no, I'm I'm not afraid of like dogs or bees. Or, <laughs> you could like get some now just to rebel. You could become afraid of creepy jack in the boxes with human faces stuck on them. Um, like creepy things are still creepy, but I don't have a phobia. Um, like I'm not afraid of heights unless I think I might fall. I've got to say, I think that trapped in small enclosed spaces isn't that irrational is that the irrational fear in me talking that's how i feel about bees i feel bees are a totally rational thing to be afraid of well bees aren't gonna sting you unless it like gets in your welly boot and you squash it between the top of your front Mm -hmm. and the welly boot and then it'll be like oh and it'll sting you what if that does happen 
Well, then you'll get one bee sting and you'll be like, oh God, that's what a bee sting feels like. That kind of hurts a bit. And you'll be careful if a bee flies in your welly boot in the future. Yeah, they're, they're not I, They're not that like dangerous unless you encounter them en masse and for some reason aggro them. But what if I do? <laughs> irrational or irrational, there's a lot of fears being triggered in these books. I suppose that's kind of what you expect from them. It says it's a chiller. Yeah, that's true. Okay, sorry, my door keeps creepily opening and I I and then closing Aww. again. Christmas chiller. Christmas chiller. Yeah, it's very traditional and Christmas. Or the cat. There's the cat has not come in. I already propped it with something and I pushed the something open, which is ah. like I think it's just a mega dra- a draft. I it's hope. really windy and stormy, probably yeah. actually. It is here. I don't know if it is there. It is here, yeah. Oh my god. It's so creepy. <laughs> Okay, just, just jam something up against it or get your husband to stand guard at it or something. No, that's the, the problem is it keeps closing again and I'm like, is Brian sneaking up the stairs angrily and closing the door all the time? Because <laughs> I'm making too much noise. Okay, I'm going to go and put something heavy get in some, Get some heavy things and put them against it. It's fine. <laughs> Happy holidays, guys. <laughs> it's not Halloween at all. <laughs> so, yes, they get stuck in the lift. It is really never adequately explained how the person did this but Mm -hmm. um yeah claudia starts to worry stacy has her insulin on her claudia checks Mm -hmm. and stacy also has some candy to keep her blood sugar up Mm -hmm. and then stacy start or claudia starts to worry in this order what if they run out of candy or insulin But then she's like, what if I need to go to the bathroom? Which I think would have been my first priority. Uh (laughs) What if my friend dies or I have to pee? I think she had established that. uh, Okay, fine. Yes, I'm a heartless monster, Esther. (laughs) I am. I am just terrible. But one of these things affects me and the other one affects the other person. I'm sorry. Am I the only uh, like. (laughs) What if I have to pee in front of the corpse of my friend? I Esther, I always have to pee, okay? So it's just a very Same. It's, it's just a, a like a very everyday worry for me. Same. <laughs> I know. I'm just poking fun. It's pretty funny though. Yeah. Also, I think like Stacy is good for a little while anyway, whereas the second those doors slammed, I would need to pee. That's true. <laughs> Whether yes. I was able to get out or not. I was once in a bus to Monaghan. And I realised as soon as it left the outskirts of Dublin city centre that I needed to pee. And this mm-hmm. is before they had toilets on buses. Uh, that was the worst journey I've ever had in my life, including all of the ones where I was hungover. <laughs> Did you make it? Pretty much. <laughs> okay, so anybody who is on the edge of their seat wanting to know what the actual fuck was going on with this mystery oh my god there's a whole creepy basement scene yes yes they get a note saying that it's like supposedly from ethan saying meet me in the basement at 5 p.m and they're kind of freaked out because they think he might be like planning to murder them or something here's a bit that i really like actually yeah is that they don't just go to the basement without checking Yes. And Stacy rings Ethan and leaves him a message saying, what's the deal with this yep. note? And he gets back to her and he's like, oh, I didn't leave you a note. What's that about? What's going on? Yeah. Uh, and I was like, oh, that is like, so that sensible. is something that most like thriller type books, especially ones involving vulnerable teenage girls, mm-hmm. doesn't do. And it just as- assumes that even though they are like shitting themselves, 
over all the creepy things that have happened in this book so far, that they'll just go down the basement. Um, and instead, Stacey's like, nah, I'm going to just like ring him up and be like, why? You can yeah. come to my house yeah. instead. Also, can I just say, like, they haven't gone to Stacey's dad. Where is Stacey's dad, who they are staying with? He is completely absent. Yeah. Like, is he is he working long hours down the embezzlement factory at this time? <laughs> I mean, I guess. Look, you just got to assume but yeah they didn't even make a gesture towards what yeah. he's doing apart from occasionally showing up and going okay i'm gonna buy you steaks let's go <laughs> like apart from that he's just gone yeah you look you know you gotta hand wave some stuff <laughs> it, it's it's the thing any book that has teenage mystery solvers teenage perilous yeah. adventure <laughs> they have to be unsupervised to, for a certain yeah. <laughs> you know they must be unsupervised this is sometimes handled in a really clever way this is sometimes handled in a Eh. <laughs> just don't tell the adults, okay? Kind of a this way. This is not here. Yeah. yeah, no, it's it's one of those things we know. It's part of it's part of the genre. But okay. really, if you think someone's trying to murder you, you should probably mention it to an adult. Just tell an adult. I don't think they even bother filling him in at the end. No, I don't <laughs> think so. I've handled it. So yes, Ethan finally comes clean and says that his ex girlfriend lives in Stacy's building. Awkward. And that she is quote unstable. Uh, which is where we get into the problematic tropes. Um, mm-hmm. And also, she's speaking of hand-waving stuff. She's an art student, and that's why she was able to forge Ethan's handwriting on the note. Which, mm-hmm. I'm not sure that really follows, but whatevs. I think handwriting is one of those things that you would sort of guess, you know, is if you are given a piece of like a short note and it looks vaguely like yeah. the person whose signature is on it or approximate signature and you're expecting it to be from them you might not necessarily go hey this is completely wrong if it's very different then like I just yeah, think that I a mean, passable imitation is going to fool yeah, people I mean, unless they're very if, suspicious if, already yeah if you if you're an artist the you presumably you've got the the fine motor control and ability of copying shapes <laughs> and recognizing shapes to do a passable imitation probably like a full-on handwriting analyst would be like no you notice the closed loops of the of the o's but here that they're not but you know yeah yeah so they go to the basement uh first leaving a note to say where they've gone which again is nice and sensible sensible yes and they when they get down there suddenly the lights all go out and there's a genuinely really creepy bit where yes they try to all reach out and hold on to each other in the dark Mm-hmm. Um, so Claudia grabs what she thinks is Stacy's top and is like, okay, I've got you. And here's Stacy from quite far away going, what, where are you? And realizes that she's holding up to someone else altogether, which is genuinely very unsettling. That was actually scary. Yeah. And yeah. original. I don't think I've seen that used before. That's a nice, um, yeah. and it's a callback to when they arrived in uh, the station in New yes. York and Stacy's yeah. dad is like, oh, we have to hang on to each other's jackets because it's so busy. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was good. That, that was, was like, ah, I, I like that. You're thinking like about that. the TV adaptation of this. Very clever. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, then Ethan's uh, creepy ex-girlfriend, Sybil, turns up mm-hmm. and basically does a villain monologue about, <laughs> it was me, I did everything. <laughs> and Claudia takes her down. Yes. Claudia sneaks up behind her and like basically gets her behind the knees <laughs> and knocks yes. her over. Uh, and it's they- brilliant. 
around. Stacy and Ethan grab an arm each and she wrestles them until she realizes she's been bested, at which point she goes, oh, Ethan, I'm so sorry. I hope you don't hate me. And she collapses against him. And nobody is very convinced. <laughs> yes. And they, they drop, Ethan takes her upstairs and drops her off with her parents and is like, yeah, she's your problem now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that must have been an awkward conversation. Yeah. So, um, this is, uh, yeah, I know, I know I'm not going out with her anymore. No, we're not back together, but she mm-hmm. did try to kill me and my current girlfriend and her friend. They're yeah. really from Connecticut. Could you just? Thanks. Bye. Bye. <laughs> yeah, that's it's nice to see you again. Bye. That's the thing. One of them goes, God, you know, if Claude, if you hadn't been there, who knows what would have happened? And I think it's like, I mean, the implication is that she would have yeah. killed somebody. Yeah. Um, I, that that is just 100%. doesn't happen too much in the Babysitter's Club. Yeah. It's it's generally much more theoretical danger. Yes. <laughs> it was pretty hardcore. Like this, that plot line was, I mean, like, the, the amnesia lady, okay, she remembers who she is, that's fine. She was, like, meant to be beating, yeah, uh, yeah. bullshit. Like, why she wasn't The other line, it was a gardener who's, who was no longer being hired but to do the gardens of the people who he is, whose houses he had wrecked. They had yeah. gone to another service instead, and he was disgruntled and kind of unhinged. Mm-hmm. But... This one, I mean, that's all very Stony Brook. Yeah. <laughs> this one is quite New York. Yes. Yeah. I know stalking is like, is a, a whole real, real deal. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't yeah. think many people have actually like encountered a serial gardener, like <laughs> a, a, no. a, a serial disgruntled tradesman who is yeah. like leaving kind of cliched Christmas Christmas themed menacing notes yeah and and going through their stuff um like none of that is very realistic um but this uh somebody's ex like being overly pissed off and vindictive is definitely a thing that happens yeah to people in the real world so yeah um and that winds up getting people killed yeah in the actual real world um I mean yeah she nearly throws Stacy under a train yeah, and they all kind of are like, oh yeah, no, she couldn't have yeah. really killed me. But I thought there was some sort of a mention in there that she wouldn't have fallen onto the train or something. Yeah, she but, says like, she was just trying was... to give her a scare, basically. But like... Yeah. yeah still, that's still like, quite yeah, an no, easy I mean... thing to screw up and accidentally kill someone. Oh god, Don't yes. shove like, people on a platform. Don't, yeah. That's don't, just, a don't, really bad idea. No messing on train platforms. Yes. Exactly. Just don't mess on train <laughs> no platforms. No horseplay. No horseplay. People could die. No act in the maggot. Okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so yeah, you're right. It never, they never really confront the ex-girlfriend about whether she somehow interfered with the workings of the lift. The other thing is, um, Ethan did claim that the building was meant to be haunted and that it was built on a cemetery. So I don't know if we're supposed to think that ghosts broke the lift no no i think we're meant to think it was her and that was the red herring i I don't think that was meant to be something well i also don't like that that's ethan gaslighting stacy because he doesn't want her to know know about the dangerous person who she lives in the same (laughs) building as so none of this stuff is good no new york Mm. is bad Definitely. Yeah, I like the Stony Brook mysteries are much cozier. Yes, yes. Awesome. The Stony Brook <laughs> mysteries are cozy mysteries. That one is a like thriller Just, yeah. mystery. <laughs> yeah, this is um the the Babysitters Club just branching out into. <laughs> I mean, 
like like I said, it worked. It got me. I was yeah. this was of the three storylines, and this is the one where I was like, ooh. I don't know what's gonna happen, and I'm kind of scared. I loved it, but it was it was a good time for all, <laughs> except for Claudia and Stacey. Claudia and Stacey, and they probably didn't have a very good time at all. <laughs> Feared for their lives. Yeah, and Sybil, who's clearly going through some stuff. Yeah. All right, it was a good time for most. <laughs> good time for the readers. Yes. Certainly, I my now my expectations were not high, <laughs> having read the last mystery. Yes. But these, this was really good uh, compared. I had a good time. I enjoyed all three storylines. Yeah, like, was, I've read oh better mysteries, obviously, but mm-hmm. I, 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 I don't really have a lot of complaints about this book. Mostly it was pretty good. Um, I think we've covered a lot. Just, it's just the small details. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. The resolution with the, um, disgruntled ex-gardener um, <laughs> is that everybody got together and set a honey trap for him. A um, sting operation! Yes! So good. I, Esther, I think a honey trap specifically has it's like a, a, oh, a lady. Like sexy? <laughs> there's, yes. there's sexy times okay. in a honey okay. trap. Okay. No, it's a, a sexy honey trap. It is, it is very much not... <laughs> not honey a- traps are all about sexy times. Okay, this is not sexy. <laughs> it's a... No, it's, it's a sting. This one is what okay. we call a sting operation. It's a sting operation. I was trying to think what's the like less exciting version of honey, like peanut <laughs> butter, I guess, or butter. <laughs> <laughs> it's a butter trap. <laughs> what what do they give Stacy? It's a tuna trap. Ew. <laughs> tuna sack. It's a crackers trap. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, they pretend that they're going away and they like loudly say goodbye to all the neighbours in public and <laughs> and this is Christy's idea and she's got like her whole family along yeah I love how into it everyone is are staying in her house for it and the cops yes the cops the are cops. like yeah this seems like a good idea let's <laughs> yeah. go with Christy well, do you remember back in Claudia the Phantom Caller where uh, Christy is just like you know, both Christy and the policeman ask a question and Marianne is just like who should I answer first I think Christy <laughs> yeah, so there you go yes. yeah. okay uh, by now, in 2020, Christy is the he- the chief of police in Stony Brook. That's yes. my head cannon. Um, no, that's too small time for her. Uh, in Stamford, she's working her way <laughs> up the chain. Look, <laughs> and she's got actually a whole bunch of other problems now. Come to think of it, which are yeah, going to be a gritty, I mean, super yeah. special in their own right. Um, yeah, who 2020 Christy is head of a police force? Super special. That's going to be. No, uh, that yeah, would be bad. Special. It would be bad times. <laughs> Too fun, Christy Thomas. Back in the 90s, <laughs> they set up a sting operation. Yes. <laughs> and they, uh, Watson has to ring up the gardener and fire him. Yes. In the traditional uh, rich man, no longer wants your services, you are terminated. Ha ha. Uh, manner and he's like oh I, I felt really bad doing that and Christy's like it's fine because he's a criminal and then they capture him in the act of trying to burgle their house as revenge god so predictable yeah <laughs> like it's the same night yeah like imagine if they had set up their sting operation and he had waited till the following day yeah. to have revenge that like, would have been so <laughs> awkward because like they had to get their dog minded by the neighbors and everything like yeah and yes. she she goes into detail about how they're staying over at abby's house and all the kids have had to be put to bed upstairs and like oh god i know how long that takes <laughs> <laughs> so yes conveniently he turns up on cue attempts to burgle them 
and is caught and then goes, you did this to me to Watson. And Watson is like, no, you did this to yourself. Which is <laughs> great. Really what he should have said is Ritty. pointed to Christy and be like, no, she did this to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And she's 12. Up your game. Yeah. <laughs> we knew exactly where you were going to strike next. Jesus. Like, have a less yeah. obvious MO. So, yeah. The, oh, yes. It also... Was it Abby, I think, uses the term MO and then explains what it means? <laughs> yes. yes, I, I highlight that. There was a couple of times in that where people used words that were like slightly maybe not in the vocabulary of every 12-year-old and then explained what they meant. And I remember every, every single time it irritated me because it was like, you don't have to explain it. They'll figure it out from context or look it up or not and then eventually work out what it means from reading other books. It's fine. <laughs> Just this isn't actually a school book. You don't have to do that. I I guess I read these when I was so young that there was loads of stuff like this that I would I would have been grateful if someone had explained yeah, it to me. Too. me. <laughs> I think I just like read a lot of books. I never I just never looked up words when I was a kid. I just like, you know, read them and was like, I don't know what that means, but I kind of figured it out from context and eventually I worked out what they all meant. That's how you learn words. No, I didn't do that like I didn't look words up either. Um, I assumed that there was just all this grown-up stuff going on that I would eventually learn. And I did, but it would be like, there was one book I remember reading. I read it one year and was like, this is cool and kind of scary. I don't know what's going on. And then the next year I understood more. And then the next time I read it a year later, I understood more. And I kind of want to work out what it is so I can read it as an adult now and That's see. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's like rereading books when you're that age. But then you just realize like, oh my God, six-year-old me just missed everything and actually everything. it's like rereading these books as an adult there's just a lot more going on that you pick then yeah. you picked up on at the time yeah it's quite fun sure <laughs> it is it's good it's good i think i'm worth it from a vocab perspective i read a lot of oh, yeah. victorian era kidlet as a child. Yeah. <laughs> so i'm like i just don't expect to have these things explained to me when i read them <laughs> I was like, if I can work out what a reticule is from reading this book, I can work out what memo is, okay? Yeah, I think I have covered everything, except that Claude, as another part of the 90s setting, um, which must have made you two both very happy, Claude is wearing yeah. ducks. I do yes. that, yes. Yeah, I have a few highlighted outfits. But yes, the docs made me very happy. Yes, I thought that was cool. The, yeah, it's definitely a different time, though. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Like, Nobody's wearing jumpsuits. Before we wind this up, even if we don't get all the way there, we have to do one of the last ones and just see if people are wearing combats. Yes. That's, that's all I want to do. <laughs> and butterfly clips. Yes. <laughs> Wednesday was cold and grey outside, but inside everything was brightened up by Claudia's rainbow look. She had braided her long jet black hair into a single braid with red, blue, green, yellow, orange and purple ribbons woven in. Whew. Her short red turtleneck dress had a braided yellow belt and she was wearing purple tights, yellow scrunch socks and black docks. Her earrings were in the shape of Christmas trees, but they were painted in rainbow colours instead of just green. On some people, this might have been too much, but on Claudia with her creamy skin and dark eyes, it looked fabulous. <laughs> that is a lot. Uh-huh. But it's not bad. Yeah. There was a thing going around a while back about um, toddler grandma style fashion. Yes. Did you come across that? Yes. Where, which this sounds like it is like a little bit peak toddler grandma and I'm here for it. Yeah. And I, I really like it. Um, and it, very occasionally I will wear ridiculous earrings just because I can. And because if I'm going to wear earrings at all, they might as well be ridiculous and like random 
children will compliment me on them, which is great. <laughs> I feel like that's what Claude is doing here and she would be totally happy to be stopped in Eddie Rockets <laughs> by somebody <laughs> saying, we really like your chicken earrings. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. She would though. She'd be delighted. Oh my God. The babysitter's Club would so go to Eddie Rockets. Yes. They would. like a special babysitter's club in your life. Yes. Yeah. Because it's burgers, yeah. but it's also fancy. Exactly. <laughs> They're burgers, but expensive. Yes, exactly. <laughs> anyway, oh, I want to talk about the cover. Okay. Because, like, weirdly enough, the American cover looks shit. <laughs> Marianne looks like it's badly, like, arted. And Marianne is wearing, like, weird, like, man's trousers. <laughs> She's dressed like either a 45-year-old woman or a 70-year-old man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, ha- hang on. Is that Marianne? Jesus yeah, Christ. Yeah, that's Marianne. She got a short haircut at some stage and the um, cover artist has interpreted it in that manner. It looks like Paul McCartney, <laughs> approximately like 1960s era Paul McCartney, had his clothes stolen and had to have stuff loaned to him by some of the parents of the babysitters. <laughs> Paul McCartney, 1960s era Paul McCartney had his clothes. Yeah, it's definitely a Beatles mug, but... He was loaned clothes to wear by somebody who had been to 1994. <laughs> and yes, he's in 1994. He's like, I, I don't really know what I'm here for, but um, I'll help you solve the mystery, I guess. Um, and he's wearing Marianne's dad's borrowed clothes because he showed up naked. And like brown, shiny shoes. Yeah, the shoes and trousers are atrocious. The zip top is extremely 1997, but really something a boy would have yeah. worn more so. Um, like my brother had that top, I think. Maybe it turns out that Paul McCartney is much smaller than we think he is. <laughs> Paul McCartney is a 13-year-old babysitter from Connecticut, who knew? Um, now Christy's fine. She's wearing a red turtleneck and a pair of- And a scrunchie. Ooh, Christy's jeans are bootcut. That's very in for 1997. I don't think Christy would have moved to bootcut jeans for another year or two, but mm. I guess, you know, you're growing, you buy what's in the shops. I do love the cover tagline, though. It's beginning to look a lot like- Danger. <laughs> this was really what forced us to pick this one for our Christmas read. Abby appears to be wearing leggings, which if you wore in 1997 as a teenager, you would have got the hell slagged out of you because leggings were out and flares were in. Yeah. Oh, do t- tell me more, Aoife. <laughs> I got told off by a teacher for wearing leggings to school. Not because they were leggings, but because they had patterns on them. That's bizarre. They were bizarre. <laughs> But like, is that Abby? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Like the orange. Now that is an extremely not mid nineties uh, orange um, Gillette sleeveless. Z- yeah, Gillette. Thank you. Gillette. Gillette. <laughs> Gillette. I assumed that was Mallory from the hair, but no, I think that's Abby. Abby's got curly hair, and it's not red, and it's not ginger enough to be Mallory. Yeah, Mallory's got like red hair. I also like, given that the author of this book was sort of trying to gesture towards like physical and I suppose ethnicity related details rather than spell them out. I assumed Abby was kind of more curvaceous. <laughs> like like they said they describe her as I think stocky. Yes. For, yeah. yeah, like robust or something. Which for this book I was like, I assume that this is just a, a plus size babysitter. I don't think there's anyone plus sized in any of these books. No, there ever. isn't. No one there no fat people don't exist in Stony Brook. Presumably there are and it's just not not discussed. Yeah. Nobody yes, is I mean, fat. you could headcanon it, but anytime anyone's physique is described, it's only to say that they're thin. Maybe everybody Maybe whose physique who is not described, described as thin is... is yes! Is not thin anymore. Uh, <laughs> is an absolute unit. <laughs> <laughs> nice. 
Um, so anyway, that, yeah, I guess that's Abby. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or maybe somebody else from the sixties, who knows? Yeah. It <laughs> oh my God. That cannot be Marianne. Jesus Christ. That's Marianne. That's serious. She's that's wearing Marianne. slacks. That's, shitty, that's, I know it's the worst. My dad owns those trousers. Like, I mean, I was very unfashionable, but I would have worn something a lot more like what Abby's wearing in this picture and not slacks. Yeah. Yes. I definitely yeah. have never worn brown slacks and brown office shoes. And I suddenly <laughs> feel very proud of myself for this. <laughs> the jumper was definitely that kind of thing. The the um, yes, parallel stripes under the armpits yeah. Yeah. was favoured by several of our slightly geekier male friends yeah. at yes. the time. And that was fine. That was totally standard issue. For them. Really standard, un- unremarkable male fashion at the time. It doesn't suit Paul McCartney very well. <laughs> no, it doesn't look great on Paul McCartney, I have to say. Uh, and even if that's Marianne, it's it's not a look, I have to say. No. It's, it's, it's no, who good. allowed this? This is not going to appeal to the, the, the girls who were yeah. going to buy this book in 1997. Like, I know that Marianne isn't meant to be super duper cool, but what the hell is that? <laughs> She's like, meant to she be better just... dressed than Christy by definition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like Christy there is looking real normal. Oh, is this one of the detectives? Is this Officer Tang? <laughs> this is not Officer Tang. Okay. <laughs> You're grasping at straws here. I am grasping at straws. <laughs> These are the babysitters. They just look terrible. It's also, I think, the art, like, the art is bad. That's one of the first, like, this is not a good cover from the American series. Yeah, yeah, I think it's not the same artist that did the main series, definitely. It is. Is it? Yeah, I, I think I checked. Let me just make sure. Hodges Swallow. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is Hodges. I'm just going to go back to the back of the book where it says it. She was phoning it in that day. Yeah. Hodges Swallow used photos as reference points, generally. Yeah, I mean, if yeah, you, it is yeah, I, I'm just really upset by, like, he let himself down there. Yeah. I fo- started following Anna Martin on Facebook and um, she wrote about him and I stalked him online. Yeah, he has an Instagram. He's quite a good painter. Oh. Yeah, like, I think he just had a really bad day here and it's pretty much only Marianne <laughs> that looks atrocious. Yeah. Maybe there's a guest artist as well who's sta- there's someone standing painting. for Anna Martin maybe he did this get the outline and somebody else had to fill in all the they were just like stick the figures. apprentice like the apprentices of a medieval master <laughs> exactly. yeah Rembrandt's like students I mean it just looks a lot sloppier than most of them mm. most of them are photorealistic and this is just not yeah they look like slightly manipulated photos generally yeah yeah they do like I really like that because everyone looks good I just don't like art of ugliness that much to be fair i love how the photos they, they do the photos at the back yeah of them and it's like their photos when they're babies and stuff should we wind it up anyway i think we're kind of yeah I think so yeah i think we're we're yeah we've discussed this book. i think we should yeah uh oh i'm going to remember to plug our social media hey uh we have social media. <laughs> this is true. We are on Facebook and Instagram and Tumblr as the podcast at Dawn's House. And we're on Twitter as Podcast Dawn. So come say hello. And if you leave us reviews on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, sorry, uh, we will be very, 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 very excited and happy. <laughs> yes. Woo. Extremely excited and happy. And happy holidays, everyone. Yeah. Happy whatever holiday you currently are celebrating. Happy what you're celebrating. Happy primary <laughs> gifting period. Yes! Yeah, like, give, 
people presents. Enjoy the presents other people give you. <laughs> and uh, don't get haunted. <laughs> Ideally, no, let's not. Let's try to avoid it if you can. <laughs> we wish you all a stalker-free holiday period. <laughs> In the mid-90s, so probably 93 or 94, myself and my cousin, who was a year older than me, um, I was about, we were maybe seven or eight, seven and eight or eight and, eight and nine or something like that. We were really young. We watched Grease every single day for an entire summer, and it was great. <laughs> and there's all sorts of stuff in Greece, but many things that actually I had no idea was going on. But I knew there was, some of this was rude. Some of it was, was rude slang that I assumed was current American slang and did not realize was... 1950s American slang interpreted by the <laughs> 1970s. <laughs> like, do they really talk like that over there? Yes, apparently so. <laughs> it's America. Anything can happen in America. It's a real pussy wagon, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Too fun, Christy Thomas.